Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Hey, this is Reed Mathis. This podcast is In The Loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Check out OsirisPod.com and stay in the loop. Sign up for the newsletter to learn about the newest podcasts and events. Relics Magazine is a media partner of Osiris. For music news, go to Relics.com.
summertime Hey everybody, this is a quick hit for the Forum Night 2. I'm here with frequent guest and very good friend Brian Brinkman. What's up, man? How's it going, man? It's going well. Um, Brian, technically, I think, is producing this show because he's the one who hit the record button. So thanks <laughs> <laughs> thanks for doing that. It's always hectic on the weekends when everyone's running around with childcare and family stuff. But um, yeah. you just got back from two nights at the Forum. And I guess for those people who don't know, Brian is the co-host of Beyond the Pond, another Osiris podcast. Um, and you guys just put out a, an episode on the Gorge Chalk Test uh, late, late this week, right? Yeah, we released one um, on Thursday covering the first five shows of the tour, focusing mainly on the Gorge Chalk Dust. And for those who don't know, our whole idea, we take like a fish jam, we break that jam down, and then based on a couple of themes, introduce you to music outside of kind of the jam band norm, go into a lot of different uh, musical categories and musical ideas. And um, we're hard at work now on our next episode, which will come out next tuesday after the atlanta shows and is going to cover bill graham the forum and austin nice yeah it was um jonathan and i were talking about on the last on the quick hit um i think last night at bill graham we were jonathan and i were chatting i was saying it's cool that on this tour you guys are kind of covering the you know tour in more depth in terms of of specific jams and we're doing the quick hits it's a good good compliment we love partnering with you guys i, I like i like hearing your breakdown um and people should check out beyond the pond and other osiris podcasts as well osirispod.com so brian tell us just first before we get into night two of the forum um what have been your kind of overall impressions of the tour I, for me personally whenever i see fish or, or when they're on tour it takes me a long time to form impressions like i yeah. i feel like it's i don't even i can't even remember like the, the nights of the gorge so i listen to everything the next day and then move on it's so much music so fast and so what have your overall kind of impressions been um so far i think it's been an interesting tour in the sense that i had a bit of trepidation going into it just following what 2017 meant to the band it felt like a big peak moment the baker's dozen was like this culmination of seemed like everything the band had been trying to cultivate since their earliest days you know just this space where all their fans can come together and they play three weeks of incredible music and that spilled over in some ways to dicks to new year's eve and you know as we've seen over the last you know five years uh the second half of 3.0 fish has a really big year like 2015 2013 it's usually followed by a year of a lot of transition and um, a mm-hmm. lot of like conflicts amongst like the fan base about how they're playing, and I kind of expected that this year, and I feel like we've gotten this really interesting mix of this clear transition the band is going through. I mean, you look at how much Trey is emphasizing uh, his guitar rig and his new effects and the Leslie speaker and like all all of what that is doing to um, his sound and how he's trying to fuse that in with the band. And they also, I mean, I think it's really interesting, and I'll kind of get into this. I mean, they played two Big Boat songs back-to-back last night, Tide Turns and No Man in No Man's Land, and it sounded so bizarre. And yet, what um, what Fish album can you imagine of the last 20 years where it's weird two years after the album comes out to hear those songs played in a set? Like, they, they've barely even touched those songs in, like, a rotation. Um, so, like, there's a lot that's still being, like, fitted into what fish is in 2018 but at the same time 
I would go out and I'd argue that 722, the third night of The Gorge, is one of the best shows they've played of all 3.0. I think a lot of the jamming, when they really connect, is some of the most high-quality jamming that they've played over the last five years. Um, but I do think that they're having yeah. some rough sp- rough patches. And, you know, it's it's that constant evolution of the band. You, you can never expect them to just, like, stay stagnant and do what you want them to do repeatedly year after year, and that's the <laughs> beauty of it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the for me, I was at the Bill Graham shows and the Tahoe shows. I think I think you guys said on the um, Beyond the Pond that the the everything's right was it yeah. from the from Tahoe or, or or Soul Planet, which are two of my favorite songs from that run, um, were really notable and kind of the the new songs taking the taking having some more legs. Um, the, the Bill Graham Carini to me was like that was the highlight of the four shows I saw, but that that was that took. Trey in a more comfortable jamming mode with like, yeah. you know, just working, working up to a kind of traditional bliss peak. Um, did you, do you feel like the, the jamming has been consistent or do you feel like it's been not consistent in a good or bad way, but just in terms of thematic, I guess, or do you feel like it's been kind of, kind of place? I feel like we've gotten a couple of different styles of jams, but I feel like the focus this year has been really on these um, kind of textural wall of sound kind of, dimly lit mm-hmm. ambient type of jamming and um i know mm-hmm. that i've i've seen i don't know like if i'd say like complaints but i know i've seen from a lot of people being like where are the bliss jams and um i am an ambient fiend um it's like mm-hmm. that's like i don't know if, if i'm like writing or if i'm like doing like work around the house like I'm gonna have a. I have a lot of ambient music that plays on a on a regular rotation in my life, and for me, Summer '98 has always been <clears throat> a really like a, a big big tour for me to listen to because that was the band's focus and their jamming style. They wanted to go towards this very minimalism, kind of this like linear plane of music where they all existed in the same way and they all contributed equally, mm-hmm. and nobody like pushed the band. You know further than the others and you know the first night of the forum we got a lot of that in the second set and while i definitely thought it could go a little bit deeper in 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 a lot of the jams that style and that's particularly why i love the gorge night three is that whole second set is just like this ambient suite so i'm personally into that theme of the the whole tour um i also have been finding and we'll talk about this with the forum last night their best jams last night were all like these big peaking moments and very blissful. And so that's still like that. The hose jamming is still like the bread and butter, I would say. Brian, I know you mentioned on, on Twitter and on beyond the pond, the sort of post peak jamming. And that's where some of the ambient stuff comes, comes along. I've been noticing that as well. Um, I've been hearing a lot of like pink Floyd sounding stuff. I've I've seen comments about that on Twitter too. So that, that kind of, that is the sort of soundscape stuff. Um, well, well, let's talk about the last night's show, yeah. uh, Forum Forum Night Two. Um, interesting first set song. So, I mean, but the whole show sound selection, song selection was sort of strange and interesting. But what was your take on the first set? <laughs> um, so the first set. I mean, this would go for like the entirety of the show. I don't think I'd ever write this set list out in any scenario of like this is what I want to hear at a show. <laughs> and like as it was coming out, like song after song. I had a real sense of, like, 
the forum has gotten a very specific type of show over the last four years, and it's like a Saturday night rock and roll show. And it's mm-hmm. as if like Fish is like hoping there's some guy from you know the larger music industry who's like, you know what, we should actually push Fish into the popular music realm. Like they hear something from Fuego and they want to just like you know tr- uh, give Fish this opportunity to step over to the other side of like popular music. Um, hmm. and could be the crowd too, right? What's that? Could be the crowd too. It could be. I mean, it's, it's a, it was a really interesting crowd. That was my first California show. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, there was really great energy in the room throughout the entire weekend. Um, but it felt, uh, it felt a little bit more, it felt like more laid back and aggressive compared to an East coast crowd. Like it just didn't feel like I was Mm. seeing fish in their home base, like clearly. Um, but it definitely felt like a fish crowd, but last night's first set, despite the song selection, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Um, we had really great seats. We were sitting head on up above in the second tier and the sound was amazing back there. And we had a really great view of the lights and we could see the band. I mean, the, the, the arena feels very much like MSG where there's really not a bad seat in the house. Um, nice. the, the highlight for me without question was Kill Devil Falls. Um, that was kind of a moment in the first set where I was like, we could very easily see one of those like 14 song first sets here right now. <laughs> and then, and I, I, I said this, I think last night, right after the show on Twitter, I really felt like the band had been trying really hard all weekend at connecting on a jam. And I don't think it just, I don't really think it came together, especially in the second set of Friday night show, but I think it just came together in an instant there with the kill level falls. I mean, the riff that trade jumps on, you know, you can argue in some cases it's, it's like how quickly he found the riff in the Camden chalk dust from 99. Like it just came out of nowhere. He picked up on it. The band was off rolling and they were just, the, the bliss jam that they, they delivered there was spectacular. And then the re-entry into Kill Devil Falls was a little rough, but was um, uh, was really cool to hear. Cool. And um, it's interesting. So we're, what, nine shows in now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I Maybe someone on the internet or one of our um, faithful listeners can tell us what they think. But, you know, this might be the point where they start clicking. I, I just think about and. Our, our friend Chilwig has his even year even year theory that you were kind of describing earlier. Yeah. That may or may not be the case, but I, I know I'm thinking about like Atlanta 2015 and um, some of the sh- runs where like things started to just clearly click into place. Um, I'm just curious if that's like a you know ten shows in kind of thing where that typically happens. I guess we'll see if it continues. But um, did you feel like that continued into set two? Yeah, I mean set two again um, song selection wise. Uh despite a few uh, aside from a couple moments i i would never have asked for this this second set i would never wish this on anyone to be totally honest <laughs> even <laughs> but, if the ocean is love <laughs> but i um got was incredibly patient and i felt for a second they could take it out outside of its realm but it, it stayed very much contained and was one of those just great jams that and I love when Fish does this, when they kind of expand on the theme of a song for like four minutes longer than you're used to. And it just gives you like these, you know, riffs and kind of musical ideas within a song that you're so familiar with that you just had never heard was possible. And it's just them kind of exploring like a specific key of music. And 
I loved it. I thought it peaked really well. Um, Fuego definitely kind of um, made me nervous the minute it started. It once again felt <laughs> like we're getting a big jukebox type of second set here. And then um, I loved how they went into the jam. And then Trey locked in on this riff, and it sounded like it was the most fragile riff they'd ever found. Like had the whole band not been committed to building it back up, there's no question in my mind that they would have just filled, you know, fitted out and gone into another song. But they stayed super committed. They seemed like they all really liked the idea that he presented. And they built it up over like the last five or six minutes of the jam in a way that like I was like arms up, like just like screaming at the top of my lungs. I was so happy at that moment. Um, I was sitting with uh, our friend Ben Greenfield um, at Guy Forger OPT. And nice. He and I had a very similar reaction when Fuego started. And by the end of that, we were like, that completely changes the dynamic of how we look at this weekend. Um, so I was, I was super into that. I mean, that was, um, immediately I'm, I I thought back to the twist from November 1st, 2013, the the night after the wingsuit uh, set and the, um, first Fuego jam, the, the July 4th, 2014, just kind of jam where they're like, you know, jamming on a chord progression and it just builds into this peak and, Oh man, it was that was that was everything. And I I said at the end of it, I said I don't care what they play. And of course, that came back and hit me in the face because I've seen Meat Stick at every single run I've gone to since 2015. <laughs> I literally awesome. cannot escape this song. I wish I still got the joke of this song. Like now, it just feels like a joke that's being played on me. Um, yep, I know the feeling. <laughs> and then when they started up Soul Planet, I mean, I I. I want to be an eternal optimist for for fish lyrics. Um, Soul Planet tends to be a bit uh, uh, more sincere than I even am, and I think you probably know I'm a very sincere and somewhat cheesy person at times. Um, Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the jam that came off of it again was outstanding, and like to walk away from that show saying that Kill Devil Falls. Fuego and Soul Planet were my peaks of the entire weekend. I would not have expected that going in, and, and there's no way I would have ever predicted anything like that. And and you get a wingsuit in sort of a cool down spot. Really which is cool. good placement for wingsuit. That's awesome. That's a, I love that song. I haven't seen it in a long time, actually, and one of my favorites. Um, and then Cavern to close it out. Um, and so I guess what what do you? You also got a, a character zero, which we got one in Tahoe, and yeah. I, I'll, I'll never fun. complain about a character zero. Yeah, it's always fun. No, it's um, like kind of in the category with um, like Julius and Sample for me, in the sense that I'm never going to ask for those songs. But when they're, and I'm probably never going to like really re-listen to them, you know, other than like obviously the the jammed out versions that they've done of those three songs. Um, but when they're playing live, the band just feels like the best rock and roll band you've ever seen, and, and mm-hmm, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so Brian, what what should we leave people with in terms of a little music? Um, I so I just re-listened to it. I think it's the best part of the whole weekend. I think it's one of the peak jams of the whole um, uh, overall tour so far. Um, I I would go with um, the, the the last couple of minutes of Fuego once they you know get that riff going, um, build it back up. It's it's just 
such a creative, totally connected moment for the band. Awesome. All right, we'll do it. Um, and Brian can be found on Twitter at Suffering Juke, J-U-K-E, um, and on at Beyond the Pond, obviously. Yes. Um, and Brian, you, um, we'll see you. Uh, where, where can people find you on tour this summer besides the L.A. shows? So I made a uh, spur-of-the-moment decision last week, and I'm going to Austin. So I'm back in Denver. I got back to Amazing. Denver like two hours ago, and I'm flying to Austin in like 40 hours now. And then I'll be <laughs> – <laughs> I don't know how my wife let me do this, but yeah. she's an absolute angel. Um, I was wondering the same thing about myself when I flew to the West Coast twice, twice in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. When, <laughs> when, I, when I realized your itinerary, I was like, how in the hell did Rachel let him do this? Um, but uh, amazing stuff. Uh, then we'll be at Dick's. That's our first hometown Dick show. And um, yeah. then we're going to do Vegas in the fall. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, people should check check out Beyond the Pond if you haven't yet. Brian and Dave, they, they, go, they go pretty deep in terms of new music. I learn stuff every time I listen. So thanks for, for doing it. Um, yeah. And thanks for coming on. And we also we have some. You and I have some plans. We need to we need to get a little more detailed on in terms of an, another in depth HF Pod episode. So we'll do that uh, post post summer tour. I'm there for it, man. <laughs> All right, everyone. Here's some here's some Fuego um, jam from Fuego, which you probably wouldn't have expected us to to say, but um, really cool stuff. And, and Brian, thanks for joining. Thank you, man. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.